Four eyes and no sight. Poisonous bunchback toad. The soul of this man is his clothes. Beetle-headed, flap-eared knave. Anointed sovereign of sighs and groans. Hello, and welcome to this increasingly intermittent podcast series, Strutting and Fretting, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Today, I'm speaking with actors Jonathan Moonen and Laura Bellamy about an awesome play we're all in, The Man with a Plan, filmmakers from outer space. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So um, this play is a brand new work for Cone Man Running Productions, and without giving too much away, uh, can you describe or the premise or or what it's about? Um, and I can help you because you know <laughs> I'm in the show with you. So. Oh, we yes. got this though. It's, it's a campy homage to science fiction, monster movies, Rocky Horror, a, a send up love letter to ed wood yes yeah kind of and a what if this was the reality of how how these films of his came to be made yeah especially of course plan nine from outer space Uh everybody loves a good backstory yeah yeah it's um yeah like i couldn't describe that any better myself so (laughs) it's good hooray for (laughs) pre-interviews Uh, and, and so Jonathan, what, what role are you, uh, playing? I am playing Mr. Edward D. Wood Jr. Mm-hmm. Or just Ed Wood to everybody else. And, Ed or Eddie. And, yes, Ed or and Eddie. He, and for, for people listening to this who might not be familiar with Ed Wood, who is, who was, who was he? Uh, he got labeled by, I forget the, uh. The author who wrote that book calling him the worst filmmaker of all time, mm-hmm. which I do not believe that for a second because <laughs> the movies of his that I've watched, I think they have a, a charm about them. Mm-hmm. They're not the greatest, probably not even great, <laughs> but they're not, I don't think they're terrible. I've seen worse. Yeah. And, 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 and you, Laura? I am Vampira. Right. Yes, and the interesting thing about it is that in the in the actual movie, Vampira never spoke. <laughs> she had no <laughs> lines. So this is all kind of made up and interesting. So I've had a lot of fun with it. I believe it though. You totally do. <laughs> yes. It's like yeah, that's something yes. Vampira would say. I am. Mm. Yes, indeed. What's like the favorite aspect of your characters? Well, I'm having a lot of fun with the costumes. Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. I've I've had the opportunity to to have some really cool costumes in in shows, but this one it's it's so not me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and when you come to the show and see me on stage, and then when you see me afterwards, you will not know that I am the one playing Vampira. Yeah, you know, and that's fun because it really allows me to just step into something completely different and who doesn't love to try that out every once in a while yeah that's cool yeah. And, and i can i can i can sort of um 
God, I'm not a loss for words, but yeah, I totally understand <laughs> yes, you what would. you yeah. mean. You both would. When, without uh, giving too much giving away. Without giving too much away about costuming. Yeah. yeah. Although, uh, people who've seen Ed Wood, or more specifically his film uh, Glenn or Glenda, yeah. probably won't be surprised to right. see one of my costumes. But and, and that was a big aspect also of um, the Tim Burton film, mm-hmm. Ed Wood with Johnny Depp. So, I mean, I, I think, I don't think it's giving too much away to let them know. I mean, we find this out in the first two minutes anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, he's, you he's know, in drag. Yeah. He was, um, uh, Ed Wood was a very, very early pioneer as far as, um, I guess not, he wasn't very secretive about, about being his transvestism really. And then he, he would also make that, uh, an aspect of some of his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, starting with Glenn or Glenda, it was kind of, it was kind of secret then. But as he went on through the years, I, I think that kind of got less and less of a secret for people. <laughs> but um, yeah. and Jonathan but, really makes it work. Yes, <laughs> we just pl- play it for what it is. Yeah, not yeah. not just to say you know wearing costumes and and adding more, uh, more and more layers to the costumes each each time we're mm-hmm. rehearsing it it helps me feel more just in character. Yeah. And, and we should always be playing comedy for real anyway. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, there's, there's that, that's, that's part of why it's funny. It's, 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 it's also why, um, our director, Brian Maynard, our writer director, actually, he wrote this as well. Um, keeps pushing us for the, um, airplane style, you know, deadpan, deadpan delivery is Leslie Nielsen. And, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, uh, it, it's fun to do it that way. And it's the way you should be doing it anyway, because I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly more honest. Um, yeah. And um, I, I think people will really uh, appreciate it once they see it. Cause I mean, the words speak for themselves. The words are funny. We don't have to do anything to them to make them funny. They, it's just already there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a very cool script, honestly. It, I, I've had so much fun with this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm playing an alien. Surprise, surprise. Um, typecasting for me. Uh, but it's uh, Edward and Vimpyro were obviously real people. And uh, you've seen some of the Edward's movies prior. Um, there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of. I don't think there was a whole lot of Vampira to look at other than no. Plan 9. So, um... It's tough to Google. <laughs> it really is, yeah. It's kind of like a little black hole you can fall into. There's not a lot there. Yeah, even though we're, we're living in the age of information, so anything you want to find out, you generally just Google it. But trying to find footage of, you know, Vampira... Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, so so yeah. what what have, what have you tried out as far as, you know... What what have you done to, to cement yourself in this role, Laura? Well, I, you know, I remember auditioning for it, and you were there, Jonathan, mm-hmm. you know. And I went in with the typical, you know, let's do the Transylvanian vampire dialect kind of thing. And it was, it was cool because I got through that one, and then Brian asked me to read again. He says, you know, and, and we're getting ready to read. And he goes, oh, by the way, can you do something different than you did last time? And I'm like, oh, okay. So the head does a 360 and shakes something out, and you do, you know, a completely different dialect. And then, and they responded well. Uh-huh. You know, it was, it was good. And then we get to the table read, and 
And I'm still trying to figure out what to go with because, like I said, Vampire had no dialogue in the movie. Mm. So it's it's got to come from somewhere. So right. I had to had to figure it out. So I tried like five different dialects. And I think I mentioned to you that I'm so glad that we, you know, that we got all the way through the script because the next dialect I was going to try was going to be John Wayne. And that would have been really hard to pull off for two hours. <laughs> and plus, John Wayne in the boots I'm wearing would not have worked very well. Well, I think that would have been hysterical. But it, um, it could, that could be the after show. Maintaining it. That. Maintaining yeah. it for two, two and a half hours. Yeah. That could be. Yeah, well, and I think I told well. you guys, I, I was... I think I was tra oh yeah, it was that week I had to travel during rehearsals uh -huh. and I lost Vampire in my head. Oh no. Because I, I couldn't do the, the voice I was doing. I couldn't make the words come out and I, I panicked when I got back to that first rehearsal because it's like, what am I gonna do if I can't find her? So oh, but you know, yeah. she was still crawling around in there, that helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't all too sure how to because I'm I love doing voices and, and mm -hmm. characters and thinking about Ed Wood, like right before auditions, I got around to watching the Tim Burton film. Right. I was like, no, I don't, don't want to copy exactly what Johnny Depp did, but trying to find how Ed Wood talks normally. And mm -hmm. all I could find really was Glenn or Glenda and watching it. It's like, this is going to be kind of boring to listen to. Yeah. It's not very interesting. And then, you know, it it's dawning on me, oh, okay, not just how uh, Brian wrote the lines, but um, how Johnny Depp played it as the eternal optimist. Yeah. Like, no matter what, no matter what gets thrown at him, he's just very optimistic. And then that little light bulb goes off like, oh, I've never played that before. And so just being extra energetic and yeah. happy throughout the whole thing. <laughs> and you know what like, else wow. is really cool? You have a great face. Yeah. Because, you know, I've obviously I've been watching you for several weeks in rehearsals. And, okay, your eyebrows are a character all on their own. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, your expression, you are so in it. And it's really fun to watch. Yeah. My, my eyebrows are like Jack Nicholson reborn sometimes. <laughs> Well, better yours than mine. Thank you. <laughs> um, you guys may have already answered this, actually, but what's the most um, challenging aspect of these roles for you? Not laughing while we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Try, yeah. Trying to be okay. serious. Yeah. That, because you guys do things, and you know, as we go through, you keep finding new little nuances to put mm -hmm. in things. And so, yeah. like, every rehearsal, there's something new. Yeah. And we all watch we all watch each other like crazy and you see something and you can't help but snicker. And then if we're on stage and you're doing something new, it's like, that's all I can do. It's like a Carol Burnett, Tim Conway yeah. thing uh -huh. sometimes. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We're always trying to see like, what can I either get away with or try, just try something <laughs> yes. out, even though it probably won't work, but right. let me, let me try and see, does it make sense for the rest of, of the scene as a whole mm. and if it doesn't okay won't do it again yeah. yeah well yeah i think i think we're all are people who will um 
you know, invest in the characters, but also try to throw anything on the wall and see what sticks and, yeah. you know, yeah. try things, you know, while we can, because, you know, we're still in rehearsals. Well, and Ryan's I'm, great about that. Yeah. You know, he encourages that. Yeah. So that's that's marvelous, because a lot of times you'll get a director who's like, no, I want you to do it this way. They'll mm -hmm. even give you the line reading. Yeah, I hate and it's that. like, yeah, that, <laughs> then that's your character. That's not my character. Right. But, you know, we've, we've had a lot of freedom in this. Yeah, I'm, when I'm not on stage there i'm watching the two of you and i'm, I'm <laughs> genuinely thinking holy crap that's good stop it some more <laughs> pardon me for being sincere oh <laughs> uh, what's Ooh, the human oh, <laughs> you'll never know when the humans might be listening oh my god um <laughs> that's not how we sound in the show at all no, no. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so what's your, um, you know, we, we describe this as a being a love letter to like vintage sci-fi. What's your connection to this material? Are you guys big, huge sci-fi fans or? Just a classic movie fan in general. Okay. Love old black and white films. Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to educate myself on the sci-fi genre of, of your way back when in the fifties mm -hmm. and, and such. Well, I have some history. Yes. Oh, here we go. Yeah. You know, I can remember when Star Trek was out yeah. originally, my dad and I never missed it. Would always watch it. So of course, you know, I was little and he would always say, okay, now that person's going to die and blah, blah, blah. And it took, <laughs> wasn't until I got older and realized it's because he's wearing a red shirt. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, so I get that. But then, you know, the Rocky Horror aspect of it, in the 70s, I remember going to the Alabama Theater at midnight to see Rocky Horror in costume because, yeah, I'm that old. And then, you know, when the Star Trek movies came out, when Star Wars came out, and, you know, growing up, my sister and I would watch every monster movie they showed on Saturdays. So, you know, the whole Bella Lugosi aspect of it and all the vampire stuff. So I'm I'm deep, babe. I'm seriously deep, and I love this. Yeah, yeah cl classic monster movies like Dracula. Yes. How could you not love that? Although... I will say before I saw Dracula, um, when I was very, very young, just a wee lad, I saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. So yeah. Got to see all those <laughs> in one. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I shouldn't talk about myself so much, but, um, yeah. No, go I, ahead. Oh, go ahead. You're part of this. I Come know. But yeah, means. yeah, yeah. Just, um. I had auditioned for two other things before coming into um, the show, and and uh, there were two other parts that I really, really wanted, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And then I saw this, like literally, like the audition notice for the show, literally the day before auditions were, and I was like, oh, maybe this is the reason I didn't get this other thing because I just I grew up like Laura, I grew up watching, not at the same time. Oh, rub it in. Obviously. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're an original, original fan. Yeah, what? what? Yes. Who said that? Um, no. Um, I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek and Doctor Who, and, and you know, I know, um, I mean, in this play we have uh, references to the day the Earth stood still, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, obviously Ed Wood's films, but, I mean, there's there's 
I think there's a line about Gigantor, which mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't know probably anymore, but it was, uh, I think it was this Japanese cartoon about a big robot mm-hmm. uh-huh. and that flew around. And, you know, it, it, there's, there's all sorts of little callbacks to this vintage sci-fi. And if, 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 if that's the type of people that you hang with, then this is the play for you to go see quite clearly. And it's just, um, and I mean, a lot of, the Ed Woods films that I've seen, I, I know from things like Mystery Science Theater 3000 and um, Riff Tracks and things like that. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I might not have been an Ed Wood fan, you know, coming into this, but I have seen a few of those films like Bride of the Monster and Plan 9 from Outer Space. And um, so, I mean, I enjoyed those through them, you know, through the guys and Joel and the bots or whoever joking about the movie, but still, I mean, I still have seen these things and I'm still a huge fan oh. of, of at least that aspect of it. So, I mean, if you, if whether you're seriously into Ed Wood or you're in it for the camp, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I think it's a play that speaks to sci-fi fans. It does. It gives sure. so many people an opportunity to feel like they're in on it. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many references, and that's that's fun. Yeah. the the more The more sci-fi films and the more Ed Edward films and all those older references that you know, the funnier it is. Even for for people who know virtually nothing about it, it's still funny. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there'll be a certain amount of enhancement if. If you grew up watching all that stuff. Yeah. And who doesn't love a good inside joke? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, um, it's a play that's um, by Cone Man or pre- being produced by Cone Man Running, which is always, my understanding is it's always original works by Houston or Houstonian it's kind of writers. O- original focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay, so not always, but most, most of the yeah. time. Most of the time, that's right. cool. Yeah. And 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 how long have uh, this is my first play with with Cone Man? I don't know what everybody else's experiences are, but look, can we talk about the production company for uh, for a minute? Uh, or what your experiences have been, or why? Oh, they've yeah. been wild and fun. <laughs> <laughs> been yeah, fun, yeah. Or we talk, or or we can talk about the season too a little bit because I mean I know that there's what five minute mile every year or mm-hmm. and a smattering every year. If you guys mm-hmm. can describe those things, although most of our listeners probably already know who they are, probably. But we're going to talk about it anyway. We should do yeah. that because we have at least one listener in New Zealand who knows nothing about it. Ooh, go. hello, New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, the five minute mile is kind of like it sounds, uh, each piece that's written by many different, uh, playwright submissions has to be five minutes at max in mm-hmm. length. Although having filmed some of the five minute miles and editing them mm-hmm. together, I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was. It's like, Mine yeah, was you got to hold for laughter. Um, the really really good stuff on that. Uh, smattering is uh, either an annual or sometimes a biannual um, fundraiser. Really, for uh, I think most of the time, as as far as I know, it was for the Houston Food Bank mm-hmm. last that, year and this year. That's, yeah, that's what I know. And uh, was it two years ago? 
a, a few smatterings ago, it was to raise money for uh, Houston area school teachers. I think for supplies and all that. Okay, but it's similarly written and performed completely in a certain amount of time. Yeah, or? yeah. The uh, the smatterings are uh, essentially a twenty four hour play festival where uh, a select group of uh, writers get together on a Friday evening and they get to stay up all night or not, depending on how fast they get their show <laughs> written. Um, but they don't know their topic. They don't know their genre beforehand. They don't know their genre. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a cert sometimes a certain line has to be inserted, inserted and a in certain yeah. prop. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. why that's why they have the award for best prop in show. Okay. Um and then you know the directors who uh, the writers pick uh the director the next morning but that that evening they select uh they know who the actors are going to be in mm -hmm. each piece and what their strengths are. They look at the resumes and all that and then the next morning the actors come in and find out who their director is. Yeah. And during the day, you get to put a whole 10 to 13 minute show together. Oh, wow. That's cool. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like a 48 hour film project. I don't know mm -hmm. yeah. if anybody else has done that. Oh, yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, I think now we've reached the time in the program for the Fretworthy Five. Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay. Fretworthy Five. So you guys are already familiar with this, but if you're listening for the first time, it's basically a, a few random questions, um, and you can pass if you have no idea <laughs> what to say in response to this question, but we keep asking until we get through five of them. Okay. 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 Challenge accepted. Uh, okay. So I have a few extras. Hopefully I won't have to use them, but here we go. Uh, what's the scariest movie you saw as a kid? Hmm. Jaws. <gasps> Honestly, and to this day, yeah. I will not go in the water where I cannot see my feet. Yes. Really? Yes. Terrified me. And then what's funny is because I saw it when I was 13, and then when I was 16, we went to Universal Studios mm -hmm. in Hollywood yeah. and had a tour, and they had the mechanical shark there. So I have a picture of me with the mechanical shark. With Bruce. That's yes. cute. I am yeah. envious. Yes, well you should be. So. My two two favorite films are Jaws and Alien. Yeah. They terrify they terrify. Did you see him as a kid? Uh yeah. When I was seven, I got to see almost all the parts in Jaws, except for the parts where people died and my parents Did were always covering my lady? eyes. Hmm? You saw the naked lady? Well, the TV screen was so dark, <laughs> they can get away with that. Okay. <laughs> and alien, because, you know, psychologically, that is horrifying. Yeah. Okay. Although I was more fascinated with that scene. Uh, well, the, the first chestburster scene? or The chestburster scene, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, cool. How did they do that? So, like, as a, you know, kind of a filmmaker, I'm always curious, like, how how is this done? See, I was always interested from an anatomy perspective because it's like, no, you got to burst through the sternum. That's even harder. <laughs> you know. There's that oh, slight stomach yeah, pain. I, I went medical. <laughs> sorry. 
But also, and uh, this was much later. It wasn't when I was a kid, but I, I the first time I got to see Frankenstein, I think was in 2005. Like was, the James Whale Frankenstein? Yeah. Okay. I was 21 years old. And the first time I saw it, Boris Karloff just turn around and it did that three shot close up on him. That scared me to death. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Oh, it was great. <laughs> okay. Um, have you, do you watch Graham Norton ever? Oh my God. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So we're all familiar. They redid, um, I, Sigourney Weaver was a guest recently and they redid, um, the, the, the chest burster scene. Yes. On the cheap. In the in during during one of the Graham Norton, I didn't episodes. see that. Like, one. You've yeah. got to find that clip. It's hysterical. I will watch it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's floating around recently because yeah. I saw it just this mm-hmm. week. I think yeah. this past week. Yeah, so every every now and then, his his show pops up on YouTube. <laughs> uh, what exists today that people will be nostalgic for in 2059, 40 years from now? That's a tough question. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to pass this one. <laughs> what will people be nostalgic for today? Okay. Mm, it's going to be something electronic. Hmm. I know that. But as far as what? Because vinyls made a comeback. Yeah. It, so, keeps, it keeps doing that, though, isn't it? This is like the second comeback for vinyl. Yeah. This is the first real one now. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe the, the cassette Walkman will make a comeback. You know what? It's already doing yeah. that. It's hard is to believe because, I mean, yeah. Because oh. the, um, I've, I've, I mean, there's, there, you can buy cassettes like on, at, at like Urban Outfitters. And I, I've met one or two kids that, it's like I don't want to listen to my I don't want to listen to this song on you know my iPod anymore because it doesn't sound the same way it does on cassette. I'm like, are you kidding me? We worked so hard to get away from <laughs> to that. Clean it up, right? <laughs> like, see, I I think about all those things that were were really kind of still science fiction when I was growing up that yeah. are just part of our everyday lives now mm-hmm. because I have seen some amazing technological stuff. But I can remember being 10 years old and sitting in elementary school and saying, mm-hmm. oh, you're the class that's going to turn 40 in the year 2000. So, yes, now you all know how old I am. But I remember the teacher saying, yes, by the year 2000, everyone will have their own jetpacks and hovercraft. Okay, so here's my deal. Where is my damn jetpack and my hovercraft? Yes. I am still waiting. Where are my flying cars? Yes, where are the flying cars? <laughs> I, I was just thinking that it could be something to do with uh, skateboards, per, per se. And I can't skateboard I mean, to save my life. No, hoverboards. Ho- hoverboards, because we had that, and one wheels are a big thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, those go by my apartment all the time. And some, some of them are. I don't know if they're magnetized to sort of hover just a little off the ground. Mm. I th- there's progress in that area that I think uh, way into the future. I think the regular skateboards, like regular roller skates, are probably going to make another comeback again. Or at least people are going to be nostalgic for it. I'm going to count that question as being, you know, answered. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Two down, three to go. All yes. right, here we go. Yes. What mythical creature would improve the world most if it existed? A dragon. 
See, I would have said that too, but I think it's because I've been watching lots of Game of Thrones. No, I've always been obsessed with dragons. Yeah. I want to say Cthulhu, but that may be <laughs> oh, jumping. That, that may be jumping the gun. <laughs> <laughs> the word "improve" was part of that question. <laughs> oh right. well, <laughs> it's subjective. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember um, during the 2016 um, election cycle seeing all sorts of, um, I mean, it's Facebook and Facebook is, you know, what it is, what it is. Um, And I remember seeing all sorts of campaign uh, art for Cthulhu. Uh Yeah. (laughs) It's like. And I think to myself, I don't know, would we be better off? I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. So that's why I stick with the dragon. You didn't think I was going to say a, a Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. What movie should be a musical? Oh, the easier question is which movies should not be musicals? Because there are so many of them that are turning into musicals. It's like, Yeah. And I, I say this as a non-musical theater fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> that... I, or maybe I, maybe I should correct myself. The more one, the less one takes itself seriously. I think the better it is. Yeah. Like Evil Dead. Right. Book of Mormon. Although that was just awesome. Okay. Um, spam a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. See, I I watched all the MGM musicals growing up. You know mm. the Gene Kelly stuff, and oh my god, so. I'm a musical snob. Yeah. You know, I, I like the story, but sure. I don't like mm-hmm. it where everything is sung all the time. You know, that's opera. That is mm-hmm. not anything I really care for. Sorry, I'm not sophisticated and cultured, but, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I love it for what it is. But like I said, I think there are some, there are some that are being turned into musicals now. It's like, mm, no, y'all should stop. Just stop that right so. now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm I'm curious to see how Beetlejuice is doing. Well, I, mm. I had a friend that went to see it. And she loved it, but um, huh? it, who knows? Who, um, who knows? I, the correct answer for me is Spaceballs, but that because okay. I could see that yeah. because I mean we already have Young Frankenstein as a musical. We have the producers as a musical. It, what yeah. should be turned into a musical? Hmm. Plus, you know, you can call it Spaceballs the Musical. Yeah. And it would just fit in thematically with the whole marketing aspect of yeah, the original movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the musical. No. How no, about it? No. 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 There were people that did Jaws in Jurassic Park. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How? I don't know. But, I mean, I, I think it's along the same, ri- yeah. the same lines of Evil Dead, um, which I think is probably a lot easier. And would, you know, be easier to watch as well. But anyway, possibly. I don't know. We'd have to. It's on YouTube somewhere. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna say, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf?" The musical. Yeah, probably not. Not. <laughs> not gonna be a big draw. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's just a could. Yeah. The Haunting of Hill House. The musical. The musical. <laughs> well, if Evil Dead works, and it does. There'd be a lot more intros to a song, and then they die. Yeah, wouldn't get very far. You'd run out of characters before the show is over. One character just sounds like a bunch of bubbles. 
What is the most unusual thing you've ever eaten? Well, I eat a lot of sushi. And I've tried a lot of different kinds of it. Some of them I will never try again. But I, I actually, I went to Southeast Asia back in the 80s, went to like seven different countries, and okay. I'm not sure what some of the things were that I ate. <laughs> <laughs> so probably something there, but as far as what the specifics were, not sure I could tell you. Okay. There are some, there are some what would be considered unusual things I'd like to try. Probably shouldn't say what... They are on. I know I'm going to piss somebody off. Um, one of the most unusual things that I have had. Anchovies just jumped to my mind. Okay. Oh, hairy, salty little fish. I love those. It's like it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I was like, okay, it's just really, really salty. Okay. Why is that? Proce over processing. <laughs> Maybe I they were suppose. trying to reach the point of surstrooming. Could be. Yeah. It, I didn't see it as any more unusual than, you know, peanut butter on celery. <laughs> I've done that. It's just, yeah. it's apples and oranges. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's five. <laughs> For what it's worth, we got three, five. Well, Only easy. five? Yeah. I mean, do you easy. want an extra question? Oh, but like, this is bonus round. Come All on. Right, bonus yes, round. Alex. All right, bonus round. <laughs> If you were a Muppet, what kind of Muppet would you be? Oh, I would totally be an Oscar the Grouchy kind of thing, because as I've gotten older, <laughs> I've lost some filters. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, Mazel Tov. <laughs> we'd, we'd definitely have our Oscar the Grouch days. Mm. I, I'd want to be Sweetums. Sweetums. Aww. Aww. So cute. <laughs> You could totally be Sweetums. Just so big and scary. Jack I'm, I'm living in the, in the trash can, though, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Actually, whatever happened to Grover? Is he still on? I I don't know. Yeah. I, I would assume. Okay. Yeah. I so. Is, is Sesame Street still on HBO, or did PBS get it back? I think it's still it's on still HBO. It's still on HBO. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Those are the channels I skip over when I look at my guide, but I know it's still there. Okay. Yeah. Seems oh, wow. kind of weird, but all right. <laughs> that was the fretworthy five in a bit. Um, we're we're going to pause for a moment, and after the break, we will talk to Laura and Jonathan about their theater experiences. You're listening to Strutting and Fretting, and we'll be right back. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fable Town was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. The things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fable Town could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fable Town. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com. Welcome back to Strutting and Fretting. I am talking to actors Laura Bellamy and Jonathan Noonan from The Man with the Plan, filmmakers from outer space. Woo! Space, okay. space, space. So, space, uh, space, space. space. 
Inside joke. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, and these are, are obviously for both of you. So whoever wants to take it first can. But um, the folks at home, Jonathan is, has delegated that to Laura. <laughs> I think we should all uh, wrestle. We'll, we'll sell, <laughs> sell this like adults with rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> there you go. But uh, what first inspired you to be an actor and how did you start? Oh, well, okay, so a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I don't know. I, I was a ridiculously shy kid. Mm -hmm. And I never did theater until college. Okay. And I kind of fell into it, as I have fallen into many things in my life. But... I uh, I got monotonsillitis and bronchitis my first semester of college, <laughs> and I was I was thinking at the time I was going to be a biomedical science major and go to veterinary school. Okay. Okay. Well, you really need to make sure you pass those core classes. Okay. So I got real sick and had to drop a bunch of stuff and stayed sick for weeks. And they said, well, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna stay, then just take some electives mm -hmm. and kind of ease into it. I chose an acting class. Okay. <laughs> and oddly got cast in Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And it was over at that point. Yeah. Because it's like, oh no. You know, so I. Did you, know, you play I, in Midsummer? I was one of the fairies. I was a moth. Okay. Hey. Yeah. And we had. Um, we had major wardrobe malfunctions with the costumes that were originally designed. So the night before the show was going to go up, the fairies all went out and we redesigned our costumes. And, oh, no. And which is why many theaters now have a rule that there's no glitter in the theater. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> we had a lot of glitter. And for months after that, I think I had to move oh, out of the apartment that I was in to right. escape the glitter because it's like the bomb just goes off. Yeah. That's a rule for life. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it really should be. Is. You know, but I just, I kind of fell into it from there and took another class and took another class and then fell in love with directing. Okay. Shamefully in the really early 80s when women were not directing, you know, okay. and I did a lot of stuff after I got out of school um, and then took a 30-year break so I could have children. <laughs> got back into it last January wow. and, you know, I've. I've been having a blast ever since. So this is like one of your first uh, few shows or first couple yeah, shows? Yeah, I did, I did four the... last year, which oh, surprised okay. me. Oh, wow. I stayed kind of busy. And then I've already, let's see, I did one, I did double one acts with Boiling Point mm -hmm. um, a month and a half ago, whenever that was. What month is this? We are now in June. Okay, maybe show it was opens March. next Saturday. Yeah. Okay. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I have another show right after this one, uh -huh. and then directing one right after that. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah. Uh -huh. Jonathan. Uh, well, I, as a kid, you know, we liked playing pretend, and that just sort of stuck. <laughs> um. No, I uh, took the elective of uh, theater in high school, but I was more fascinated with film acting. Okay. To be very honest, theater, uh, when I was going through college and, and getting my degree in acting and directing, uh, at the time, to me, it, it felt like a, you know, honing the craft mm -hmm. so that I could use that and. I knew they were two completely different things. Stage acting and film acting are different. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but 
I could take take what I learn in theater and and use that elsewhere. I mean, same same thing with voice acting. You know, just growing up watching cartoons and you're always trying to imitate the characters that you see. Yeah. You know, tried to memorize uh, the nations of the world from Animaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost got it too. Um, okay, we're gonna test you next week. Okay. <laughs> There's a few. Can you at least do the states? There was a states song too. Right? Oh, yeah, that yeah. was yeah, that was Wacko doing okay. the states, or yeah, it was not the capitals, but the states, <laughs> one or the other. Okay. Well, what what keeps you going as an actor? You've been doing this for how long? Um, I kept going back uh, doing. The, some of the Shakespeare plays at the junior college that I went to because that was fun. Uh, I learned a whole lot about Shakespeare and a whole lot about acting, uh, getting my associate's degree, and then I went to U of H and basically learned what not to do okay. <laughs> as far as acting and directing goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. <laughs> it's okay, my son said the same thing. <laughs> A lot of people who went to U of H say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but now, you know, the challenge of creating characters for somebody who's so used to uh, imitating and, you know, I'm, I consider myself a mimic. Okay. I know that's what you're not supposed to do in shows. Uh, you know, you got to go through the whole the process of creating a character. Sure. Okay. What keeps you going? Um, what I guess what brought you back? If you were, is was there just always a longing for those three decades you were away? Or um, you know, every once in a while I'd kind of get the itch, but you know, life circumstances were not that I could do that because of the jobs that I had or wherever my kids were in their in mm -hmm. their lives. But you know, I it was a wonderful opportunity to go back and go through a lot of self discovery. Yeah. And I have tapped into parts of myself that I think I forgot about because there's a lot of life and a lot of miles that happen, sure. you know, in between all of that. And what's been fascinating is this discovery process uh -huh. and using the life experience that I've had to come in and kind of enrich a character. I am not method by any means. Sure. You know, I don't I don't go there, but you know, I've, I've had experience and I know, you know, I, I had to do, you know, some interesting stuff last year uh, with character development. Uh, my favorite thing was to actually murder someone on stage. That was fabulous. Um, I've kind of always <laughs> wanted to explore that, you know, yeah. <laughs> Who does safe, it? it was a safe space to do it. Yeah. You know? But you know, I've, I've done things with dialects. Uh -huh. I, I think the first one, senior moments, I didn't do a dialect there, uh -huh. but then when I did invisible play with con man, mm -hmm. I had two completely different characters with different voices and dialects. Then when I did um, Witness for the Prosecution last year, I know I'm not supposed to give too much away about that show just as part of the... You yeah, know, your, keep the secret. Yeah, keep the secret. But, you know, my favorite was doing, you know, the dialect for Romaine, who's, you know, more Germanic or Eastern European. Yeah. I love dialects, uh -huh. which is why, you know, mm -hmm. with Vampira also, like I said, the aspect of play, mm -hmm. trying to find the right voice and characterization for her, uh -huh. I, that's just so much fun for me. Yeah. I love it. 
That's cool. So um, I, I, I would assume, I mean, at least for me, I've really only been doing this seriously for something like six, seven years. And I know just in my personal life that I've had enough new experiences that I, I could be, I could go back and revisit roles that I first did. And just because I can plug in new life experiences, I can do them better. Do you feel like you're a better actor now than you were? Oh, much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like you look back and you think, wow, I had no idea what I didn't know. Yeah. You know, and, Uh you know, I I don't have a lot of regrets in life as far as actual life, but roles Mm. that I've done, oh, yeah, I would do them totally differently. That's cool. What are your favorite roles and, and why? Um, I got to play Karen in the Children's Hour, Lillian Hellman. Oh, yeah. And it's actually a very timely piece right now because it deals with um, um, perceptions and misinformation mm-hmm. and, you know, casting aspersions on characters. Yes. And, you know, and of course, with all of the, the LGBTQ stuff going on, you know, it's these two school teachers that are accused of being, you know, of being lesbians. Yep. And how it just destroys their lives and their livelihoods, you know. And okay, geez, here we are again. Are you kidding me? Right. You know. So it's it's always fascinating how these things have their cycles, that these things kind of come back. And that's what I love about, you know, classic theater. Yeah. Because that's why it's classic. Because the you know the the topics, just kind of never really go out of style. But I would love to do that one over, man, because the things I know now that I had no idea of then. Right. Yeah. Jonathan, favorite roles? Uh, I always include these in the programs under the bios. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan is not going to answer this question. So no, no, your I, show. I, it's in his bio. Yeah. It's like trying try to try to plug a little. Come see, man, with the plan. You tease. <laughs> um. Uh, one was when I uh, got back into doing theater on a more consistent basis, not just do you know one show per semester, let's say. But um, it was Evil Dead the Musical. And oh, wow. I, I had the, the great fortune of being able to play Ash. Oh, wow. Just, just the humor of all that, taking from, you know, the Three Stooges and mm-hmm. Tex Avery cartoons and what they put into this movie now turned musical. Right. Uh, that was just some of the most fun I had ever had on stage. And um, then fast forward a few years uh, when I got to play C.S. Lewis and Freud's last session that was the most research I had ever done on a character mostly because it was based on a real person and a lot of the dialogue between C.S. Lewis and Freud they actually said a lot of these things just not to each other okay um so learned a lot about who he was and read read some of his works and um also for to complete the range of it all um one of the more serious roles was Howie from Rabbit Hole. Okay, I'm not even familiar with that play. I'm sorry. That was a family trying to sort of deal with the loss of um, this husband and wife that had lost their son. 
Wow. Just a, a little child to, in an accident. And at the time, I guess you could, you could probably consider this sort of method, but sort of in the middle of rehearsals, I had lost my grandfather. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when performance came around in one of the scenes, it was it was easy to get the waterworks going. Yeah. But at the same time, it 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 also felt therapeutic mm-hmm. to help you know get over what was uh, going on in, in personal life and to use that for what it was in the scene as well. So I saw a clip of you doing. Was it Cato? Uh, the the French clown. The, the French clown. That was also also written by Brian Maynard. Yeah, the that, first local author series. Yeah, but that blew me away. Yeah. It just you really tapped into something fascinating there, and it was just it was so lovely to watch that clip. Well, it was talk, very cool. Talking about dialects, that was me just trying to be as serious in French as possible. because yeah. it French the French dialect for me is difficult. Dialects for most people are difficult. I mean, I, yeah. I can I can do so many different regions of England. Oh yes, yeah, it's the ones we hear the most. Yeah, yeah, just like that's true. Yeah, just like here, Cajun is difficult too. Yeah, for me. You guys are both directors. Um, what? Uh, how did you? I guess get into how did you make the leap from acting to directing, and when was that, and what was that like? I did that in college. Yeah, I, I knew back then I was bossy and controlling <laughs> <laughs> and creative and had my own vision for the way things needed to be. You know, and I, and okay. I got an opportunity to, to do things like that. And then um, I had an opportunity to be assistant director for an off-Broadway show. Oh, wow. Way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Oh, you okay. Know? And, and, you know, just working under Ken Frankel, who was the director, I mean, he... He was such a lovely and generous man. Which show is this? It was Before the Dawn. It was about Jews in Kiev, Russia, the eve of the Baba Yar massacre. So it was light. You know, it was a yeah, comedy. Of course. You know. <laughs> and what what was so awesome, because I thought this was an incredible thing for a director to admit to himself and then to reveal. We were about two weeks into rehearsals and Ken and I were sitting there in the, in the, you know, in the house watching what was going on on stage, and he kind of turns to me and he says, "Man, I, I screwed this up." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He said, "I miscast um, Roberta and Catherine. I should have reversed their roles." He says, "And it's too late for me to do it now." Mm. He says, "What do you mm. think?" And I said, "Hey, boss, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's kind of your call." But I thought, "Wow." to say those words out loud and realize that, yeah, you know, that kind of isn't playing out the way you thought it was, but what do you do now? Mm-hmm. So it was an incredible lesson in how do you, how do you fix this or how do you make the best of it at that point? And, you know, it was just a phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, every moment of it, you know, still sticks in my mind. Because Did he end up switching them? No, he didn't. Okay. Yeah. We just, we went forward with it. And I mean, it was incredible because um, Joe Stein did the adaptation of it. He's the guy that did the adaptation of Fiddler on the Roof. So I met these people that were just incredible. Yeah. You know, the actors that were in that show were actors that you would recognize all over the place. But like I said, it was just such a dark 
show. <laughs> People weren't looking for that because it was dark, you know. Yeah. The, the 80s were kind of dark anyway with everything that was going on. Except the clothes. Except, yeah. Well, there's, there's always that. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, like, <clears throat> I like that overall aspect of, of having to you know, think about everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the light, the set, the sound, you know, the costumes, and then, oh my God, the actors. You know, because there's so many variables there, too. Because that's, that's the one thing you can't control. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the actors going to do? But I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. <laughs> so you're, you're, you've got a show lined up pretty soon to direct. I do, yeah. I'm directing The Haunting of Hill House, mm -hmm. uh, which is based on the original Shirley Jackson play in 59. So it's not, what you, it's not the series you've seen on Netflix. That's right. vastly different. This is very much uh, a psychological thriller. You know, so it's okay when you when you have that kind of text instead of all of the you know automatically creepy and scary and built-in stuff. Yeah. How do you add those layers in? So it's been a lot of fun, and Jonathan's rubbing his hands together because we've already <laughs> talked about a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've been tapping into as many people as I can, yeah. saying, okay, you know, what do you think about so and so? How would you do this? Mm -hmm. So it's it's a great. Creative and collaborative process. It'd be a lot of fun. Just pic picturing horror on stage is so much fun. I know. Mm -hmm. So you're doing some of the visual effects, Jonathan. Is that what? What are you doing in connection with the show? Because you're like you're you're rubbing your hands together. So I'm just because I think it's going to be a really cool show oh, okay. to watch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I yeah. the thought of scaring the crap out of the audience just that brings an evil grin to my face. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so much fun. That's yeah. Good. You don't want to just make them laugh and cry and think. Mm -hmm. No, it's they need to be feel more. Yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna, you know, you need to physically feel this. You know, we need some visceral reactions to things here. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's like, get dark and twisty. It's like, oh my god, it's the forbidden laugh. I love that laugh. Oh, thank I know. You so much. That's such a good laugh. I can't, um, can't do that. That's, I, I can't do it more than once a night. So no, it's, can imagine. it's too much. Um, but you, your directing experiences, Jonathan, um, how is, how'd you get into that? And, and what have you done? And, oh my God, what have you done? No. Um, <laughs> surprise, you know I mean. surprise. My um, directing experience is very minimal <laughs> Okay. as, uh, as far as stage goes. I've made and sort of co-directed three, uh, parody films okay but you know like i said about acting you know, stage and screen are very different you have a lot more time and many more takes sure from the on the screen to get that right yeah. um i remember uh, back in, in college uh i i directed when when the initial director got sick uh i and one other person we stepped in and sort of added a couple other scenes from classic uh Ziegfeld follies okay that we we knew I was like we can do this we can we can self direct or we direct each other and there were a few other scenes that I basically you know, at the time uh, telling uh, some of the actors I said watch the you know watch the film do it like this do it like that that wasn't that wasn't helping them grow as actors, I knew, but we were sort of at the the thirteenth hour. Mm -hmm. Just like we've got to we've got to put something 
up on stage for the audience to enjoy. Yeah. Um, uh, since then, I know I've directed something else on stage. <laughs> <laughs> There's something, it, it'll come to me okay. later, probably tonight. But <laughs> I <know. laughs> hey, I'm the one with old timers disease. Come on. Okay. Nonsense. So, like Jack Benny was perpetually 39. Yes. <laughs> What, you have something lined up, though, right? Yes, I'm going okay. to be directing uh, the local author series, the works of Ben Plopper, uh, which is going to open in November. And one of those performance nights is going to fall on my birthday. Yippee! Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to tell them, though. <laughs> oh, and we'll keep your little secret. Yeah, this won't be on a <laughs> podcast or anything. Maybe. Wait a minute! What have I done? <laughs> yeah, that's... It's a direct, it's so, it's an exercise that I know that I need personally in communication. Uh That's what it is. And that's not, that hasn't been one of my strong points, but both as an actor and a director, I know it's something that I've needed and wanted to work on. Not just because I have anxiety about it (laughs) and the stress is oh so much fun. But it's, you must be loving this interview. <laughs> oh, this is fine. He's among friends. Okay. Yeah. All right. His like, alien friends. I'm, I'm not having to manage anything <laughs> here. No, yeah, having to communicate clearly with yeah. actors what you're trying to get out of the scene without saying, do it exactly like this. Yeah. You want to be fair and let them mm-hmm. let them find it or let them bring in something that you've never seen before or that sure. you haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's creating that environment where they can do that exploration yeah. and discovery. You know, like you said, it's not about giving them a line reading. Mm-hmm. It's saying, okay, well, you know, what's going on in your head? Where, okay, if this is the situation, you know, what are you feeling, thinking, doing? Yeah. You know, and saying, you know, here's what makes sense. Yeah. For each for each scene, because they're a collection of short scenes. Yeah, and and. What I love is that, you know, as the director, you have to have that overall vision and know that, okay, here, here's the arc. You know, don't peek too soon. You know, don't give it away. Yeah. You know, don't telegraph things. But how do you get them all there? Because you're usually dealing with a group of people. How do you get everybody there at the same time so that it all reaches that climax at just the right point? So, you know, you've sold it to the audience, you know, so, and that's, that's your job. You got to make sure you, you help them all get there at the same time. So I like that. By then I'll figure it out. (laughs) We are the puppet masters. Yeah. I've been a technical director on many, many shows Mm -hmm. before that. That's easy. Taking care of tech. You know, I know exactly what I want. That's the easy part. Cause techies rule. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have, do you have bucket list plays as far as actors and directors or, uh, in your actor and director lives. Let me rephrase that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As actors and directors, do you have bucket list plays? Jonathan does. Oh, as, as an actor, I, I want to do The Woman in Black, oh. which I'm still talking to Sean Thompson about, which I know he wants to do it too. Oh, wow. Okay. And as a director, anything? Um... 
I haven't given much thought to it as a director. I may have to get back to you on that one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a lot of buckets. It's not just a list that will fit in one bucket. Okay. You know, it, it, it's, I, I get so inspired when I see something, but I'm also a horrible person to go to the theater with. Okay. Because... You know, and my son and I do this together. It, we are very critical. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I wouldn't have done that that way. I would have done this. We do appreciate the overall show, but then when we sit down afterwards, we dissect every component of it. It's like, yeah. okay, I would have done this. You know, I think I would have changed this here. I would have switched those roles there. You know, and and so I I do that with everything. I'd love to get my hands in just about anything that I could, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be picky. I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities. Yeah. Why not? But like I said, I I always look at it now with the eye of how would I do that? Maybe some, uh, something uh, to do with Shakespeare because you can, you can change the settings and quite a few of Shakespeare's plays. I, I would love to do one of those because, and, and, you know, you debate about whether or not, okay, would you put it in a contemporary setting or would you try and go traditional or, right. or you know, and then there's always the, okay, does everybody do it with a British accent? No, no. please stop. I walked you out know. of a, I walked out of Othello once at, at the Alley Theater. Oh, wow. Because everyone on stage was doing a British accent. Yeah, and Othello was a Moor. Hello. And Iago was Italian. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I guess there are these these things that get stuck in people's heads, the way they think they're supposed to go, because yeah. of maybe some early impression. But I, f- I don't know. I yeah, like to deviate. Yeah, some something like that. Though one of the big theaters, I figured it was just a case of, well, it's bums on seats. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if if they knew the difference. That they probably just enjoyed the play, mm-hmm. which is fine. We, we did a version of Macbeth set in uh, corporate 80s where the backdrop sort of architecture was, you know, Japanese oh, styled because yeah. that Let's was big see. at the time. Mm. I did Shogun Macbeth with Dallas Shakespeare and we also did um, Much Ado About Nothing and that was set on a cruise ship with Cole Porter music. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was real cool. And then um, at Stratford Shakespeare in Canada, it was... Um, Love's Labor's Lost, but it was set in Vienna in the 1980s in leather bars. So that was interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all these spins. But I think my favorite was a rock musical version of A Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. done by Dallas Theater Center in the 70s. Awesome. And I loved it. I think I saw that one. I saw it there at DTC probably six times. And then they staged it somewhere else. I became a stalker. Wow. I loved it. And I even reached out to the two actors that wrote it who had moved to Chicago at the time mm-hmm. and said, how can I get my hands on this? And they said, we can't release it. The publishing company now won't won't release the rights to do anything. Oh, wow. Okay, that's my bucket list. There you go. That's it. That's the one I want to do. Because to okay. this day, I could sing the songs for you. No, I won't. You're welcome. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I, but wow. they are still in my head. That is how much of wow. an impression that made. And the staging was just phenomenal. It was That's so cool. well done. So, And nobody, I've never seen any other company do that. So. Hmm. Well, I guess be on the look for the, for the performance rights. Yeah. There are probably 
available now. I would hey, when I win think. the lottery, I am owning that sucker. Stephen McEnroth and Randy Tallman, if you're out there, I am coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna cut it there. Okay. Um, so Jonathan Moonin plays Edward D. Wood Jr. and Laura Bellamy is a vampire, and I play Alan Smithy in uh, The Man with the Plan, filmmakers from outer space. A world premiere play written and directed by Brian Maynard for Cone Man Running Productions. This comedy opens Saturday, June 15th and runs through June 29th at Studio 101 in Houston, Texas. Tickets and other information can be found at ConeManRunning.com. You've been listening to Strutting and Fretting, conversations with actors and performing artists from Houston and beyond. Our theme music is by Ben Miller. Speaking to you from Studio E42, which is not at all a random room in my house somewhere. I'm your host, Timothy Eggert. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the cheap seats. How did this happen? You have to believe me, Beast would never do anything to endanger Fable Town. I think this situation requires certain skill sets, Miss White. I guess it takes a wolf to track a wolf. We may have a problem. Protecting Fabletown was my job. I failed them. There are things that happened in the homelands. The things that nobody knows about. Whatever's happened is bad. But right now, Fabletown could use a little bad of their own. Welcome to Fabletown. For more information, go to fabletownseries.com.